I'm Dr. Ben Rall. Do you know where the most amazing doctor lives? You may be surprised to learn that it's actually right inside of you. Yet, today's healthcare model is built on a foundation that the greatest doctor instead comes in the form of pills, potions, lotions, even surgery. So listen in, because what if the majority of what you have been told about health and healing is not only wrong, but actually harmful to you? One thing is for sure, when you work with your body and not against it, you'll begin to discover that you are in fact designed to heal. I want to welcome everybody to another episode of Designed to Heal. Dr. Ben Rawl, uh, you've got somebody on today. This is going to be a little bit different here. We have a chiropractic patient on uh, today. A little bit. Well, of course, <laughs> we try to. Everybody should be a chiropractic patient, but uh, this Fair. one is a is one that in this in a weird way has maybe made a career out of being a chiropractic patient. That's sure. probably not the, sure. the right way of saying that. But he's a um, he's somebody that I have been familiar with my my really my entire career. I was sure. telling him when we were we were together at a, an event recently and. I remember I was at a, a something uh, like a convention, and I the gift I won was one of his books. And I remember uh, the title of the book was called "A Patient's Perspective." And so here I am, a young you know young doctor to be, and I remember reading this book, and and it challenged me because uh, and he even, and maybe he'll talk about it today. He was talking about this weekend this idea of the beginner's mind, right, and how we lose that almost instantly when we're a doctor or the work that you do or mm-hmm. you're a pastor, it doesn't matter. We just very quickly become, we're not the beginner anymore, right? And so we just get so messed up on how we communicate it, our yeah. expectations, yeah. Yeah. things like that. And so I, I was really moved again by getting just reconnected with him this weekend. Um, he's been a, a patient. His name is so, you know, further ado, and I always, and I'm going to apologize right away, and it happened this weekend. I almost call all of my patients and friends a doctor, and so I'll probably call him Dr. Bill here a lot, but his name is <laughs> Bill Esteb, and he's coming to us from from. Colorado, but and I'm going to let him say a little bit. But when I was asking him, how can I introduce you, or do you have any you know particular way? And he's got a, a, an amazing career, and he's done incredible things, and uh, certainly in chiropractic that we're so thankful for. But he said, I've been a patient for over 40 years. And uh, he was joking this weekend. He's, you know, uh, had ten chiropractors in his lifetime and and outlived them or out outlasted them, if you will. And uh, and so we are honored. But this show is for the patients, right? Or maybe the people that are listening and either chiropractic is new to them, uh, strange to them, even. Or a lot of times they might have friends or family. I was thinking about this. Where, where? How do I explain it to my friends? Right? Why do I go get adjusted? Why do I? Bring my family, my kids. Why do I pay for this? A lot of times people pay cash for that, you know, that kind of thing. And so we're just going to have a conversation about what his experience has been mm-hmm. in 40 mm-hmm. years of chiropractic, yeah. good, yeah. bad, and ugly. He'll probably throw me under the bus a few times, um, um, but, but I'll have a chance to defend myself at least. So uh, that was a long introduction, Bill. I promise I'll let you talk. Welcome to the show today. Thank you. It's great to be here. <clears throat> So why don't we start, just do a better job than I did, just give the quick and dirty about how you got into chiropractic a little bit, because that's even interesting, and I think it sets the, sets the stage for how this happened. Well, um, I won't go back to the birth process, but I will <laughs> go back to me being 12 years old. From about 12 years old onward, I've been in some faction of the communication business. At 12 years old, I was a newspaper delivery boy. Uh, getting up at uh, 5 a.m. to go deliver the Seattle Post-Intelligencer. I then got a job at the Olympia Public Library and uh, then shelving books, and then I went on to becoming the periodicals uh, clerk. And um, one thing's kind of led to another where, you know, I was on track to become an architect. I had to take some 
liberal arts studies, got an internship at a radio station as part of that, loved the radio, dropped out of school, talked my way into a advertising agency in Denver, and uh, then a larger agency in Colorado Springs, and then worked for a digital recording studio, and then went out to ad agencies in the, on San Francisco and Seattle, and then came back to Colorado and um, got involved in a film production company and started doing videos um, and films uh, around the world, literally. Uh, and uh, about that time, this would be 1980, uh, two chiropractors moved in next door to our production studios, and uh, they were getting ready to harness this newfangled contraption called the VCR uh, to be used for patient education. So far, our listeners are probably they're going, okay, never heard of newspapers, and then this VCR. <laughs> so we probably, yeah, we've lost you know a quarter of our, our listening audience here. We'll, <laughs> sorry about we'll, that. we'll we'll put some links of what those things are when <laughs> on the on the notes. But yeah, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, and not yeah, only two chiropractors, good. you you got neighbors with two pretty. Um, if, if there was an introduction, a couple of, of legends in, in chiropractic. So that was a, that was a pretty d- divine meeting there. But yes, go, go ahead. Of course, we didn't know that at the time. I mean, yeah, we yeah. Just, they were chiropractors and, um, and, and visionaries. I mean, they wanted to, to uh, they thought, uh, correctly so, that if you could put a consistent message on a video uh, and play it to new patients, you'd be able to consistently orient a new patient to the you know chiropractic mindset, and uh, that would save the doctor time. The explanations would be consistent and congruent, and on and on and on and on. So, anyway, they said if if, if someone from our film production company wanted to you know if you need to attend one of their seminars so that uh, we would understand what their vision of chiropractic was, and um, so I got the short straw and I flew to Spokane, Washington, um, in January of eighty one to attend my first uh, seminar. These, these two chiropractors would teach other chiropractors in the profession how to communicate and strategies for, uh, you know, operating their practice. At this time, up heard, to this time, would you say just, um, you know, certainly you were, at this point you weren't a chiropractic patient. Were you kind of agnostic to it? Were you anti? Were you more no, your typical? Yeah, what was no, your mindset? No, I was not a chiropractic pa- patient, obviously, but, and I didn't know anything about chiropractic but I knew that it had a negative uh, tinge to it. Uh, And I didn't know why, um, but there was something negative about chiropractic. That that was my mindset going into that that seminar. Well, what I heard during those three days uh, totally changed my life and resonated with uh, the truth uh, as I knew it. Uh, I mean, I'd gone through public school. I'd learned about the systems of the body, I think, in fifth grade. and But no one had told me that there was a master system that controlled the whole thing, and which was the nervous system. And that really resonated with me and made sense uh, from kind of a solid-state theory, if you will, that, you know, there needed to be some type of master control to keep everything going. And uh, I think uh, there's, there's a tendency, even these days, to think that DNA is, is, is that master system, mm-hmm. which, of course, is not true, but uh, that 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 was a real eye-opening experience for me to get get the idea that it was the nervous system, and that any type of interference or distortion or compromise in nervous system integrity would would affect the functionality of whatever tissues were being interrupted with. And so, I came back 
to Colorado Springs and told the rest of my you know production crew teammates that I thought we should help them get you know do these do these videos and um, so again the process of uh, uh, of, of producing that video, which took about nine months, and uh, but as part of that process, uh, it occurred to me that if I was going to help a new patient understand what to expect from a chiropractor, I needed to have a chiropractic experience myself. So I began chiropractic care on a non-symptomatic basis. I mean, I'd been to this three-day seminar, and neither of those two chiropractors uh, had licenses in Colorado. They weren't practicing. They were they were speaking and lecturing and, and teaching, uh, consulting. And uh, so they recommended a chiropractor for me to see, and um, I called them up on a Monday or a Tuesday and uh, said, uh, good morning, my name is Bill Estub. I'd like to come in and find out what phase of subluxation degeneration my spine is in. And, um, of course, the receptionist had never heard such a request. <laughs> yeah, I was just uh, going to say, you know, we get a few calls at our office. That's not the most common uh, uh, intro, right? <laughs> so uh, you definitely had a head start as far as that and I, I just want to I want to just pause for a second, you know, for somebody that's listening because and we had a chance to talk uh, recently at that event and I remember, you know, a lot of times it's 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 we just we've never had it, you know, appropriately explained or 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 communicated to us in a way that we could understand. Once I you know often if I have a, a few minutes or ideally a little bit longer with a, with a person and we can just talk through some of the basic principles of physiology or or in this case chiropractic, I guess they would be similar. It, you know, pe- most people say, "Well, that makes sense." Right, and that's usually the, the the what I hear, and then and then and then you know say okay now let's begin the process. Now the one thing that was different about you that I just want to make sure our listeners hear is you know when 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 Bill said asymptomatic, um, now to me that's the most brilliant time to be caring for yourself. Right, it's it's a lot fr- more frustrating and, and and difficult to you know work on something after it's already you know very far damaged. And so what you did there, in my opinion, Bill, is just a a good healthcare decision, right? Any more than you go to the dentist to, you know, when you're, you know, have all your teeth are falling out and in pain, you got 16 cavities. You know, most of us make a decision to go a little more regularly than that to hopefully prevent things. Now there's more to chiropractic than that, but just on a real physical level, caring for your spine, especially before symptoms is actually just a, a, a good idea. Well, yeah, and it goes deeper than that because <clears throat> they had coined the term subluxation degeneration to um, articulate what happens when the body uh, has some type of joint dysfunction, not just in the spine, but in any joint. Um, you know, the body starts, uh, senses that, uh, that, that there's a broken bone and literally starts depositing calcium. Uh, to mend or to uh, stabilize the uh, unstable joint. So the idea of finding out how much of this calcium had been uh, deposited in my spine was was really what prompted me to uh, to begin chiropractic care, other than just the basics of trying, you know, I'd heard about this thing called the adjustment, but I needed to witness it and experience it myself. Sure. So, um, you know, I've often uh, explained to chiropractors that, you know, I showed up asking different questions on that first visit because someone had gotten outside of the cultural notion of why you would see a chiropractor and explained the truth to me. 
So if you get out of your office and if you get out and explain, you know, the, the truth, you end up attracting different kinds of people in, into the practice. And uh, but that all went back to mostly as, as a research project. And uh, so you make it right. to this office and you have yeah. this chiropractic experience or a typical, maybe not a typical, um, but you, you kind of went through the process. So you got an exam done. You got likely X-rays done. Oh, and you, oh, yeah. oh, 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 it was worse than that. I'm sitting out in the reception area. <laughs> it's a Thursday morning. Now, at the time, I didn't know that Thursdays are kind of special days in chiropractic. Um, many chiropractors take Thursdays off. Um, and so I was brought in as a new patient on Thursday so they could spend more time with me because they weren't seeing uh, regular patients. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were seeing some patients. But I'm sitting out there in the reception area, and it's empty. And I had all these doubts about whether or not I'd even you know, chosen a successful Like going to the closed restaurant or the empty restaurant going, what, exactly. what's going on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same thing. And, 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 and I, I knew that, it, that there was other people being seen because I'm sitting there filling up my paperwork, and from the inner recesses of the practice, I hear a <coughs> and a small child started crying. Oh, it's, and, getting, it's getting better. It's getting better. Yeah. yeah. Uh, very scary. Yeah. And, um, welcome to, welcome I, to chiropractic. <laughs> I, I come to learn that it wasn't the child getting adjusted. Uh, it was the, the child uh, startled by the sound of the drop piece on the adjusting table dropping. Sure. And, um, of course, I didn't know what any of that was, but, gosh, from the reception room, the adjustment sounded kind of violent. And um, so I was a little concerned um, on that first visit. But, uh, you know, it all worked out, and uh, <laughs> sure. thankfully. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that's, that's, the first visit was uh, quite memorable. So then you start to, you, you kind of go, you know, you, you make it through there. Now, that's a great point, even as a, as a doctor sitting here, you know, just, you know, setting expectations and, and trying to help manage that for people. So, but, you know, you, you know, some people, that's enough, you know, get up, hand their paperwork in, say, I'm out of here. You know, everything I heard about chiropractic is, you know, the fears I had or the negative connotations, it's actually reinforcing that I'm, I'm out of here. You fought through that and you ended up going in and I assume had your subluxation patterns, you know, uh, explained to you and your, your degenerate. Now, did you have, if you don't mind giving your health history over the airwaves here, did you have at that, at that point in your life, did you have any spinal degeneration? Were you in a f- particular phase or were you right into kind of wellness care or supportive care? Well, um, you know, there, there, there was some subluxations or, you know, some type of uh, uh, misalignments at various places in my spine. Um, I think that the amount of degenerative changes that I had were fairly commensurate with my age. Um, and it's not an age process, but oftentimes what sets in motion this degenerative process is the birth process itself. So oftentimes you see kind of a pattern where you see a, a certain amount of degenerative changes based upon someone's age. Now, that's not always true, but uh, again, I walked in with without any symptoms, at least obvious symptoms that I knew of, and... Um, I want to I want to pause you there because you bring up you know your first experience. I just want to make sure our listeners um, understand your your perspective there. Although you heard a, a, a child you know uh, crying, you you um, now what you understand about chiropractic a great time to get your child 
cared for is, you know, as soon as really you can after, after they're born. And obviously, uh, you know, taking, we take care of a lot of pregnant women, but it, it's not that chiropractic is, is bad or dangerous for kids. Matter of fact, what you just explained there is that's where a lot of times we get our first subluxation through that birth process. There's actually a lot of research, and I know you're super familiar with that, that explains exactly what can happen during the birth process, its relationship to our health of our children. And so getting a child's spine and nerve system evaluated chiropractically um, after birth is a great idea, and I believe you would would, would uh, confirm that. Well, you bet, and that's certainly what we did um, when um, our youngest was um, was born. But, you know, it, it, what happens is the way bones grow uh, is through the, at, at either end of the bone, literally, and it's something called a growth plate, and that's that's where the growth of a bone actually occurs. Well, that growth plate disappears in your you know early twenties generally. So by the early twenties, whatever pattern that you have uh, that has been formed into that particular spine, whether it be through the uh, a cesarean birth or some other type of traumatic birth process, or the slips and falls and and uh, you know falling out of jungle gyms or running a bike or whatever it is. Um, you, you know, the, the spine at that age is highly adaptive. And at some point, that's kind of set in concrete, you know, by the time you get into the upper teens, early 20s. So the best time, you know, in terms of, of a preventive strategy would be to uh, make sure that someone, you know, age 20 or younger is at least getting uh, inspected and getting a, a, a checkup. So you bring uh, up a, a point about growth plates. I want because I just, I, you know, we don't get to normally get into this on this show, but it's, it's a, <laughs> no, I love it. But, you know, it's, it's you know, and those growth plates, not only is that when they're, when they're growing, but they're, they are very, they're very much influenced by mechanical stress. So for right. example, if, if there is a malposition in there, that bone and those growth plates are going to respond differently than if that pressure wasn't there. And so that's why, you know, we see, for example, in kiddos with scoliosis, when they start hitting puberty or growth spurt, you get concerned because that could actually accentuate that scoliosis in a very severe pattern very quickly. And if not addressed, just like you said, now I meet that person when they're 35 and, and I think this is, and, and Bill, maybe you can speak to this because of all your work on, on, on subluxation phases and, and the four you know, types of you know, subluxation. A lot of people, here's, if I was going to ask you a, a common misconception from my non-beginner's mind anymore, here's what people would say. But Bill, if I had that, wouldn't I feel it? Not necessarily. And what's your kind of classic or your, your your response to the person you travel the world talking about these things when somebody says, but yeah, if I had a subluxation, wouldn't I feel it? Right. Well, because the body is so adaptive, um, we have this margin, if you will, where we can withstand a certain amount of those distortions, and the body simply adapts until it can't. And that's when symptoms uh, occur. You know, it's it's, it's, it's a lot like a, a, an allergic reaction. You know, it, let's say you've got a bucket full of water, and that's all the the water represents all the stresses in your life. Well, you add one more stressor, and suddenly that bucket of water overflows, and now you have symptoms. Same thing happens with biomechanics of your spine. I mean. Um, the same thing that happens to your spine can happen in your knuckles, your fingers. You know, you have people who um, have arthritis in their hands, and that's all that is. Arthritis is just a, an inflammation of that joint, much like the same thing that's happening in the spine. So, Now, the challenge you know, with that is, is, and what I would tell our listeners is, 
and, and it's, a, it's a great example, the reason we get so concerned regarding the spine is because of the intimate relationship to your central nerve system. And that's kind of why it's such a, such a game changer as it relates to your, your health collectively, right? We all understand well, I right. overuse my hands because I was a mechanic or something and I you know, wear out those joints or something like that. But when, our, when that's happening in our spine and it's direct relationship to the nerve system, you know, CNS, central nerve system, it, gets, it does get to be more complicated. Well, yeah, the, the metaphor that I often use is, is the stomach. You know, your stomach uh, produces stomach acid to digest food and, you know, all, all the business that a stomach does. And if you have a stomach problem, some type of acid reflux or digestive issues of some kind, because it's manifesting in the stomach, we think it's a stomach problem. Right. But what it could be is a nerve, your brain to stomach nerve communication problem, either the, 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 um, efferent messages going from the brain to the stomach or the return message stomach back to the brain. If, if either one of those messages, uh, is compromised, uh, the body does not respond properly. And, uh, you know, oftentimes if you have a lot of stomach acid, for example, too much stomach acid, you have to take these antacid tablets all the time to maintain some type of comfort. Uh, it could very well be that the signal going from the stomach back to the brain is interfered with, so the brain still thinks that it needs to generate more stomach acid, and off you go. So you want to be real careful about identifying pieces parts as, as being the problem when it could very well be just a nerve communication problem. So you open up a bit of a, a can of worms here. I Ironically, what you just described was actually my story of chiropractic and how I got into it. I had major digestive issues, digestive issues, had really seen, you know, all the specialists in the medical, and it was a chiropractor that um, we often hear the term, you know, looking at for the cause of the problem. In my case, it was pressure on my nerves going to hmm. my organs, and after that got uh, cleared out, I had a dramatic recovery, really a life-changing recovery, and got off of two medications, and my digestive system healed. I lost 70 pounds, and, and here I sit today. So wow. so it definitely hits home for me. How, however, you, you kind of, Bill, just by bringing that up, it, it kind of exposes this... Um, uh, contrast between maybe, and I really would, would love it if you would explain it how you feel best, that kind of basic difference between maybe a, a medical parts and pieces or maybe a mechanistic model of, of, of healthcare, and then more what we call, you know, a vitalistic or a holistic or, you know, there's, you know, chiropractic model of care. How do you explain that to people? And, you know, it's a big one, but, but, but have at it. Well, one of the things I learned at that three-day seminar has still stayed with me um, all these years later, and that is that um, they made the assertion, which I think is perfectly true, that medical doctors, and this isn't against medical doctors, by the way, because I, <laughs> I don't want to live in a world without medical doctors and drugs and surgery and all the rest of it, um, but there is a distinction between what is called health care and what actually is health care. But th the distinction they made was that medicine's interested in the problem in the person, whereas chiropractors are interested in the person with the problem. Mm. And and that's that's a very different way of looking at it, because what happens is in medicine, we have ex because we specialize in the parts. We have specialists who know more and more and more about less and less, and that's great. You know, you want to go to a stomach specialist if you've got a stomach problem. 
But if you don't look at the overall picture, and if you don't look beyond the stomach, and you isolate the stomach as if it was an organ all by itself and didn't have all this other supportive <laughs> mechanism going on in yeah. the body, uh, then, uh, th- then you're going to isolate and be looking at the wrong part. You know, I, I often look at, I often will use the metaphor that if you step on a dog's tail, the bark comes out the other end. That's where the symptom is, but the problem is stepping on the tail. So you want to be sure that you're looking at, at what is the real cause, you know, what, what, what's, what's really going on here. So um, I, I think that there's a place for specialists, uh, but I, I think there's also a place for generous, generalists, and I think that's, that's an important distinction. So you've been a—I remember it kind of hit me this weekend, and I was funny. You said, I've been a, an, an asymptomatic or a non-symptomatic you know, patient of chiropractic for 20-plus you know, years. Won't give your age away completely, although if anybody ever meets, would meet you, you are a very vibrant uh, young, young man. But somehow in there, you've got 40-plus years as a chiropractic patient. And the thing you said that made me laugh was you said, and I'm still an asymptomatic patient. And we laugh about that, but there's some real wisdom in that, and I think you would attribute some or much of that to the model that chiropractic care has provided you and your family for the last 40 years. Well, that's some of it. Um, You know, that's not to say that I've never had symptoms. Sure. Um, You know, I've had uh, back pain and headaches and, and what have you. I mean, I think they're quite rare and quite minimal compared to what I hear other people. I mean, it's kind of hard to compare your pain with someone else's pain. But, sure. um, you know, life is a contact sport, so things happen. And, you know, if I'm going through a particularly emotionally difficult challenge uh, situation, uh, uh, that can manifest in um, the weakest link, if you will, of one's body, whether that be... A, uh, along the spine or or some somewhere else, so it's not as if I've lived a pain free life or a symptom free life. It's just that I don't go to a chiropractor if I have symptoms or if I don't have. I mean, the symptom isn't isn't why I go. Uh, so I oftentimes will show up feeling great, and I'll leave feeling great. Uh, and it, which actually goes back to a a, a, a deeper and I think even more serious uh, concern that I, I voiced over at that weekend event you and I attended, and that is that all of this is predicated upon how much someone values their health. And, you know, uh, there's over 400 human values, and we each get to prioritize those the way we see fit, and, and health and hygiene and those sorts of related, you know, fitness, these are all values and some of us place greater values on those those than than others, and uh, we tend to put our money where what we value. And so uh, that's that's what I value. So that's where I've I've put my money. Let me ask and, you. Let me ask you something, Bill. You you triggered an old memory that I that came to mind. <laughs> I gave a talk to a group of retired... Now, I'm originally from South Dakota, and so that's kind of farm country and, and middle America and, and, and all that. A lot of my patients were 
you know, raised on farms and, and such. And so their, their view, their values were, were maybe more consistent with what you would, what you would just think, right? They understood the process of time. They understood, you know, sowing and harvest and all of these seasons and things like this. And so I remember getting done, it was a, a retired pastor's kind of conference that they had me speak at. And I was talking to a few of them afterwards, and I remember one of them coming up and he said, well, you know, Ben, we, you know, we just want the quick fix because here your values conversation is, I think, an interesting thing because I think there's people we've been convinced, Bill, that if I went and asked a hundred people on the street if, if their health is important to them, I feel like they would say, yeah, it is, right? And that's why I have my insurance, and that's why I have my, you know, the medical doctor I see once every three years, or or I don't have any symptoms, so I'm fine, or or something like this. And so I feel like we've almost been sold a bill of goods culturally for the last, you know, several decades where we, we've almost been able to, to uh, falsely believe we didn't have to uh, really take ownership of our health, right? Like we value it, but that's somebody else's job. I pay for that. That's what pills are for because we never really had a true understanding of health. Now, after you explained health to me, I might realize actually based on that, it appears when I look at my choices in my life, I don't value my health very much, right? I've, I, matter of fact, I'm abusing my health quite regularly. And so I just, it always stuck with me because I said, and I, so I said to this pastor, I said, he goes, we just want a quick fix. And I said, well, we've been told that there is a quick fix. And when I say fix, I'm not talking about just treating my symptoms. I remember this weekend you were talking about, you know, hey, if you just want to, you know, have the pain go away, you know, there's a drug that will probably do that cheaper and quicker for you. And so, but a person, if they think about that, they don't really want their pain to go away. They, they, they do, but they want it to go away correctly or in a healthy way. I don't want my, you know, steering wheel to stop shaking in my car just because you put a cushion around my steering wheel. I don't feel it anymore. I want you to fix the alignment if that's the problem. So can you speak to, 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 to that kind of question or statement on how you see that or how you've seen that change over 40 years or maybe in what you've seen happen in, in, in culture, uh, good or bad, as far as how people are viewing their health. And because we're, we're living in this crazy time right now, Bill, through the COVID deal and and all that, where I think it has rattled some people's uh, you know, understanding of their health. They don't want to change anything, but they're lined up for a vaccine thinking that that vaccine is going to, quote, make them healthier. All right? But, but, but that's, that's a very different definition than what, what chiropractic would generally say. I think people think that they are their body. And we are not our bodies. Our bodies are just the receptacle for our soul. And so we tend to disregard it or we have been seduced or deceived into believing that medical science can reverse a lifetime of neglect or abuse. And Part of that has to do with the, the influence of the drug culture in our country and the way that people are taught about their bodies. I mean, to be honest with you, that fifth grade teacher who neglected to tell me, I don't think, I don't think he did it on purpose, but that negligence of not indicating that the nervous system was the master system that controlled everything, either that didn't register with me because maybe it was divulged, but it didn't, it didn't connect with me. 
I think that's what we're, we're up against here, is that there is a huge taboo against knowing how your body works. Mm-hmm. There's a huge taboo about knowing how the financial system in mm-hmm. this country works. Don't ask and, questions. Just trust, trust. you know, right? Roll up your yeah. sleeve or don't ask how we're, where these trillions of dollars are coming from and how we're... Yeah, no, it's a great, it's a great point. I mean, I think you're right. We've been that boiled frog metaphor where... Over time, people really, you're, Bill. I think that's a major, a major point. We've we've almost been convinced or led to believe. Don't even ask questions about your. How could you possibly know what's going on with your body? Leave that to the quote doctors, right? Leave that to the government. Leave whoever, fill in the blank, whatever issue you're talking about. And empowering people, and that's what I've always loved about chiropractic, because it, it really is, in my opinion, it's designed to empower a patient to take whatever control or responsibility they can for their life and their health um, and have an understanding and a model to support that, that, that model. Um, and so that is a major, major point. So have you seen that shift over the last 40 years, Bill, in a negative mm, way? Or what I, are you seeing? Not particularly. No, I don't, I don't think, I think it's always been. Shift. Yeah, no, I think so. You know, it, it's the same, the, the same reason that the culture is abusing their body is the same problem that financial planners have when they face people who are not, you know, who are not putting away enough for retirement. I mean, we just live for today, and we expect someone else to take take uh, and solve that problem for us. And so, ultimately, this boils down to self responsibility. Um, you know, am I am I responsible? Um, for everyone else's help. I mean, if, you know, someone else abuses their body and then they, 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 uh, they end up becoming diabetic and then they have to be supported for the rest of their lives and someone pays the bill for that. And, and we all do in one way, shape or another. And so it has to do with whether or not you're going to take responsibility for one's own health. And that's really what this is all about. And I think that anyone who does, and, and, and it's not just chiropractic, there's a million dis- different preventive strategies each of us use that can either advance our health or, or reduce our longevity. And, you know, that's how we treat this soul package that we're in is, is a very, very personal thing. And uh, I don't want the government telling me how to treat my body. I don't want the government telling me what I have to have injected into my body. Um, That, to me, is kind of the last bastion of freedom. And once that's gone, then we're just uh, serfs. We're just, just, uh, you know, it's the old old adage that if if the product is free, you're the product. Uh, So... You know, I, I, it goes back to self-responsibility, and I think that that that's, that kind of sums up all of this in terms of what what health is and what you what you're valuing. So when you see that, when you've so engaging in chiropractic for forty years, and and I, I think if I'm remembering correctly, your schedule of of care is about once a week. That's kind of what yeah. you what you mentioned, and going to get your spine checked once a week, and 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 that's fantastic. And you've been able to realize uh, some of the benefits of that. Uh, you know, many of them we just never know because it's hard to show the 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 prevention because it doesn't happen, right? Some of the greatest, you know, miracles that have ever happened in my office are things I'll never know about because they never happened, right? And I think that's one of the the blessings about, like you said, taking care and empowering, you know, patient. Is there, when you look at that that 40 years experience and, and now just, you know, again, being around chiropractors for so long and teaching us how to better communicate with our patients um, and, 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 and educate them and empower them, 
what you learned at that three week, you know, the three day seminar obviously impacted your life, your own words said it changed really your life. But now being in this and, and maturing in this for 40 plus years, what what does it mean to you you now? Because, you know, we try, I've been doing this for 20 years as a doctor and I, I love, I've had, you know, many, you know, patients become chiropractors and staff members. And I, I love when that, that light bulb goes off. But the real thing I love the most is the patients I've had for, you know, 10, 15, 20 years that are realizing, you know, those benefits. What, what is it, how do you look back at that now? What would, how would your life have been different, Bill, if you would have said, if you would have just used chiropractic as an expensive aspirin, right? Get your back cracked when it hurts. When you look back and if that moment wouldn't have happened, I know we can't tell exactly, but it would be pretty amazing to think maybe where your life would or wouldn't be if that, that if you hadn't been exposed to this model of, of healthcare. Sure. Well, I, again, I think it goes back to values. I mean, uh, when we were doing that, that first video for those chiropractors, uh, virtually everyone on the production team was getting adjusted. Um, but they, many of them are not getting adjusted regularly today. So it still goes back to what is it that you value? Because we have so many choices to put our time and money and attention towards. And so if, if you're not almost predisposed to kind of wellness, then, you know, that's just something that you keep in your back pocket and you consult a chiropractor when you've got back pain. And that's, that's the typical model. Um, so it, it still goes back to how each of us gets to choose how we treat this package of ours. And uh, some people are more responsible with that and preventive uh, than others. Um, my, my biggest concern is that there are many, many, many chiropractors who would like to have a wellness practice, but the, they rely almost entirely on the cultural notion of why you would see a chiropractor, and namely for neck and back pain. So they get neck and back pain patients, even though they'd like to have wellness patients, because the, the, the wellness patients, you know, they're at Pilates class or yoga, or they're stopping by the uh, GNC or some vitamin cottage. You know, they're, they do things that promote wellness, but they see all chiropractors as back doctors. So, you know, the, the, the profession has, a, has a, a variety of image problems, uh, and that's one of them. When you... Um one of the things that, and I was, re, I know you brought all these memories to me over the weekend when we were talking, and I used to go to, I don't know if it was a website, I'm that old, I don't even know if it was a website at the time, but I would get your daily kind of whiteboard questions, right, mm -hmm. or things to use, and one of the things that you you said this last time we were together, and I, I, I don't want to, I'll say as we're kind of winding down here, I, I want to ask you, a, you are a master, and you try to help us as doctors, you know, be in the patient's shoes and, and asking questions, right? The old Socratic method, if you will. And so you said a few of them this, this, this weekend we were listening. You, as a matter of fact, you rattled through many of them and, and just to kind of, you know, tickle our brains a little bit. What are some just great questions you would kind of ask a listener to consider that are, you know, relating to healthcare here that you think would are important ones to ask yourself. And again, you're not, I'm not asking you to, you know, take ownership of all that, but I just think the ones you listed, I was like, wow, that's a great question. That's a great question. Um, I'll give you one that, that I wrote one time on my board that I think I attribute to you. And I, I, I paraphrased it a little bit, but basically I, here's how I remember the question, Bill. It said, 
what would if you could only have one of these in your community, what would you rather have? And then I said like a wellness clinic, right? Kind of like what we had or a cancer center, right? You could only have one. I'm not saying that's the only choice. Just in this scenario, you could only have one. What one would be more valuable to the community? Now, of course, cancer has that big, scary, you know, and understandably so. But 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 if I was going to make that decision, my premise would be, well, I'd want that wellness center so I can learn how to either prevent cancer or, or deal with that in a, more, in a way that I'm more aligned with. So I remember, but that that created some interesting conversations in my office, right? I had a woman that came up and she, her husband had had stomach cancer and he was a patient and he had, thankfully he was healed. He had been healed by that by the time I met him. And she goes, well, you know, but doc, if I wouldn't have that cancer center, my husband might not be here. And I said, well, what if there would have been something that we could have identified, you know, years and years before where he never had to even develop that cancer. And that was one of those moments that kind of a light bulb went went off in her head. Not that I have all the answers for everything, but can you give us some of your favorite chiropractic or favorite questions about health that you ask people or you would kind of want to ask our listeners? Well, let me rewind the tape and set mm-hmm. the table a little bit better. I, I The whole reason for using the Socratic method and why I've been pounding that drum for the last, I don't know, 15 years in my talks with chiropractors is that what people think and believe dictate their behaviors. So, you know, values produce beliefs and beliefs produce behaviors and behaviors produce experiences. So if you have any notion of attracting wellness individuals or growing a wellness patient, into a practice member, you're actually in the belief-changing business because of what the culture has done to sully the notion of what healthcare actually is. So it starts by having, a one, a recognition that beliefs produce behaviors and that if you're going to be in the belief-changing business, one of the strategies for doing that is the Socratic method. Find out what people actually believe. And most people, uh, all of us act in ways to remain congruent with our beliefs, even if we've never articulated our beliefs. So if you ever want to know what someone believes, just watch their actions, because the actions are almost always congruent with what their belief structure is. So that's the starting point. So you ask questions of, of individuals out of a profound and authentic curiosity to understand their operating system. What, how do you see the world? Because it's that worldview that begins to produce the particular types of behaviors that that individual will remain congruent with. So, for example, when you ask a patient, um, what's the greatest stress on your body? And they're likely to talk about, you know, I don't know, tax time or getting a speeding ticket or whatever, when in fact, probably the greatest stress on the patient's body is gravity. You know, we don't even think about gravity as being a stressor, but, you know, eventually gravity wins. We, we, we end up going back to dust <laughs> where we came from. So, uh, you know, you asking these rhetorical questions about, you know, what, uh, how, how do you know when you're healthy? Um, because many people confuse being healthy with feeling good, for example. You know, these, these, these Socratic questions are designed to provoke a conversation. 
And I think all too often, healthcare practitioners get on their soapbox and they lecture patients or they shame them inadvertently or you know, they, they try to uh, force their worldview onto patients. And I've tried to try to uh, inspire chiropractors in particular that it doesn't work that way, at least not effectively. Um, they're not interested in your worldview until you find out about theirs. And so if, if, if you can develop a, a proper curiosity about how, how people see the world and their body and, um, and the stress in their life and all the rest of it, you have a shot at beginning to have a, a conversation. And that's how opinions and beliefs get changed. It's not by using a ramrod and, and, and forcing your views onto patients. It's, it's about uh, a much more gentler and, frankly, time-consuming process of, of coaxing and, and, and having a conversation in which people can, have, can, can air their concerns and their fears and get their questions answered in a way that's non-judgmental and emotionally safe. And I think that's the key. Is, is, and, and that's what creates much more healthy practice, frankly. So I think about this, and as we kind of wind, I, I, I remember at the very beginning of this show, you, you started off with a, a word that almost today makes some people bristle. You said the word truth a few times, right? Mm. And you talked about you know, your experience there with, uh, with um, the doctors in the, at the seminar, and you learned some truth. And, and, and you know, it, it was really important. And I, I think where... I'm just being real honest as a as a chiropractor right now it it's it's frustrating when you see what from my worldview appears to be a lot of untruth related to health right and so out of a default to that I end up out of frustration, right? Just almost you know again being that ramrod as you said, right? Just almost like but this is so crazy or 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 wrong or hurtful or incomplete or whatever word we choose to use in that moment. And so um, and that's my issue that I need to deal with. But to a listener that's out here, and you're and and you're new to chiropractic, or you have maybe your spouse or your parents or friends that are struggling with their health. Yet chiropractic has always had, again, at the very beginning, you said kind of this negative connotation to some level, and and uh, and there's lots of reasons for that. Some of them well deserved reasons for that in our profession, yep. but. Um, I guess I, I, I just think it's better coming from you. If you could leave, uh, and I'm going to put you on the spot here, Bill, but just an encouragement for those people where it is a little scary, right? You talk about going in there and you hear the table dropping and babies crying and all that kind of stuff, but yet you still saw it through for better, you know, even at our best chance job of trying to get you to get out of there. And it's blessed you and your family for 40 plus years. And we're thankful for you and our profession for helping us become better communicators and better doctors, because it is about the patient. It's about you. And, and we want to, we want to steward that relationship well, and we want it to be edifying and, 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 and healthy, a uh, healthy relationship and a safe place. But for those people that are kind of on the fence, Bill, or haven't used chiropractic and maybe the way that you have, can you just kind of give your your final you know <laughs> you know re, you know encouragement to them on, on, on what you would consider i know you're not a guy that wants to sh again shove your opinion on people but just share what you would want to share with you know the person sitting on the airplane with you that asks you what you do right i think there's fear fear of the unknown 
And I think that's the biggest boundary, biggest barrier, if you will, uh, to people pursuing chiropractic and giving it a try. Um, there's today, after 40 years of being in this profession and in a supporting role, I have seen a, a shift where more and more people who show up in chiropractic practices have already seen a chiropractor before. There are not too many chiropractic virgins anymore that are showing up. So um, these are people who have who have not given up on chiropractic. They've given up on a particular chiropractor uh, based upon how they uh, act and how they t- felt treated. Um, but, you know, part of this, I don't have a... A, a shtick. I don't have a, a sales presentation. I'm mostly about being able to respond appropriately to someone's concerns or fears. And I think I think one of the fears that people have is the neck adjustment. It's been uh, criticized as being dangerous, and of course, it is far from that. Um, fact is, chiropractic is is probably one of the safest uh, healthcare disciplines on the planet. Um, I mean, if we were killing 100,000 people or more by uh, improper, by by an adverse response to a drug, I mean, the drug was the right drug, it was the right prescription, but the patient died 100,000 a year. I mean, chiropractic would have been drummed out of existence, uh, uh, you know, decades. Well, Bill, ago. what you just said was is an actual statement of fact. You weren't making that up. That number, that was right. a real number, right? That that's, that's currently where we number. sit. Yeah, it's yeah. a great. It's, it's a, actually the number is 106,000, um, but. It, you know, it's a lot of people, uh-huh. yeah. um, and you know, chiropractors just don't have that sort of death rate. <laughs> it just doesn't work like that. I think the other issue has to do with the neck adjustment is surrendering to the chiropractor, and that's how uh, a, an adjustment can be just like butter. It's just so wonderful to get back to normal because you don't fight it. You you trust the individual you're with. So like any uh, licensed professional that you consult, you need to trust the person and, and so that you can get the best from the experience. And so when you're fighting the, the, the doctor by not offering access to your spine because you're guarding it or whatever it is, I mean, it just makes everything worse. So it all boils down to trust. Well, you have helped uh, countless people consider having an experience that maybe they weren't aware of, or uh, again, literally without exaggeration, your materials and your supportive work over 40 years of helping us deliver a consistent message in our offices. I know I've used your materials and your posters and your educational things um, for, you know, at this case now decades in my own office. I owe you a debt of gratitude for doing that. Uh, It's no small feat. I wish we had more like you that... um, our advocates and and help us to do that. Um, but your your impact has been um, immeasurable, and I hope today you know people are encouraged. You know, um, you know you can be a smart, uh, articulate, normal sounding human being like Bill Esteb and and love chiropractic, and <laughs> you don't have to be crazy uh, to 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 regularly care for the spine that God gave you. It's not. Uh, weird. It doesn't have to be taboo. It can be just a normal part of your experience, and it can be a lifelong one and a real f- and a very fruitful one. And so we're thankful. I'm thankful um, for for having you on today. Uh, you are very generous with your time and and your talents. And so we just thank you, my friend, for the work you do and for um, many more years of service. Uh, and I hope you feel the same about chiropractic. 
And thank you, Dr. Ben. Yeah, it's been a great ride, and uh, I'll be doing this for uh, until I drop. And uh, it's just a lot of fun. And uh, from time to time, I actually get to see uh, uh, some of the fruit, uh, that uh, there, there is some change. And, uh, um, and I appreciate the opportunity to share my ideas. All right. Have a beautiful day, my friend. We'll talk soon. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to support the show, give us a five-star review and share it with your tribe. To learn more about Dr. Ben's work, visit AchieveWellness.clinic.